Yeah, so you wait, do, wait, do you do you have somebody that can bleep stuff out? Like, do you have a bleeper? We do have a bleeper, but like, if I say, <laughs> did, did that go beep? Did, did the beep go through? Uh, uh, it depends on how many we do. Uh, oh, okay. Well, we'll have so how many beeps do I get then for for this? Uh, it, it depends. We 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 leave that to dirt. Dirt's not right, with us right. today. So well, I hope they put the beep in there. Uh, well, we we actually used those words before. Oh. If you use the f bomb, I'm very confident we're gonna beep that. <laughs> Like that? Like that. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that'll, that'll get bleeped out. Right, right. That for sure will. <laughs> Welcome to The Aggressive Life. Oh, today is going to be a fun, fun day. Yes, it is. Yes, it, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is a first. You're probably the first person who talked too early and I didn't shout you down. You know, this is supposed shout to- Shout me down. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, this mean like you're not supposed to talk right now. I'm supposed to talk, but- I can break the rules. You can break the rules. Because I'm not on payroll. Uh, you're not on payroll. <laughs> not only are you not on payroll, other than- uh, other than a woman by the name of Libby Tome and another woman by the name of uh, name of Lena Schuler have been on here, I love you more than anybody else I've ever had on here. Mom and Lena have been on here? Yeah. How did you know that? How yeah. long ago? Uh, Mom was on for Valentine's Day, which was not a good scene. She's talked about all my sexual dysfunctions. That was not oh. good. <laughs> Glad I don't listen to the podcast then. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ow. Ow. <laughs> And then Lena was on years and years ago. I think we talked about how I, how, how I spanked her or something like that. You know, fun stuff. Anyway, yes, we haven't figured wait, out. Wait, did those podcasts go all the way through and like no editing? Like this one, I'm expecting some of it's probably going to be redacted. It depends how unhinged I become. Uh, we, we edit very little <laughs> unless you suck. If you suck, then we've got oh, to okay, go. Okay, okay, okay. Go. So yeah, we're going to yeah, be editing yeah. a lot. All right, all right. <laughs> like this whole part. This whole, no, no, I, I actually like it. Well, yeah, we were doing Everybody Aggressive Life, Welcome to Aggressive Life. Yeah, we decided to do a different one here. Uh, I've been trying to get on my son to get in the podcast. He finally uh, generously said, yeah, yeah, but let's just do it in the, in the garage, just hanging out. And I was like, uh, what would be better? Than being in a garage, my garage. So that's what we're doing. And we're starting off a new thing for next five weeks. We've got a new release coming out of my book called Five Marks of a Man. We're kind of doing a five-week series on it. And uh, Jake was really the inspiration behind that book. And so that's why I'm excited for him to be here, uh, be in the in the in the garage with it. But we're we're talking, yeah, if we talk about it, we talk about it. if not, we're just gonna talk about whatever. Vision. We've got in here a garage that's full of visions. I've got my 1978 CJ7 right here, frame-up restoration. I'm trying to restore it back to look like the, the Jeep I had when I was in college, when I couldn't afford the gas, so I couldn't afford anything. I sold it, and I uh, got bought the exact same year Jeep, same engine, not, not the same, same Jeep, but the same type. And so I've been frame-up restoration. It's kind of a vision I have. Because that's what men do. They have visions. And you haven't heard this thing run yet either, have you? Just the videos that you've sent out. Oh, you got the tank on there? Yeah. I got oh, the tank nice. back there. And I, I finally I finally put it in and put gas in it. And so, well, as you can see coming in here, I've got body parts all over the place. So this is a big day. I'm, I'm going to start working the body now. Sweet. Which is, yeah. How is. old were you when you bought that first Jeep? It was in 1978. What year would this have been? It was 1970. 78 and it would have been the model was 78 so right you were, it would have been 19 
81. Oh, so it was kind of like a newer Jeep then it, at the time. It was. How do you pay for that? I was, it was, there's two people I'll start crying if I talk about them, Jim and Sally Rogers. <laughs> I really will. They basically fed me through college in a long way. And wow. I built into their sons. They had two sons. And so I was building into them and I needed a vehicle and they had this Jeep. And I said, hey, how about working a deal for me? And so they, they sold it to me. Well, my dad bought it and it was uh, $4,200 when I bought that. Sweet. $4,200. And here's the awful thing. I'd take it. There were such crappy vehicles. It was already rusting up bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure. Because they, they, they- All stamped steel. St- just- they, didn't, they didn't paint the inner parts. Right, right Rust right, got right. behind all the hinges. Rust got in what's called the A-pillar. So it was already rotting out. But um, it, was, it was sweet. I had a guy, um, you know, Scott Hudson? Yeah, of course. Okay, so Scott yeah. said, oh, that Jeep, I had a 78. I had a oh, 78 really? CJ7 with a 304. <laughs> and he said, I got eight miles a gallon. <laughs> I said, oh, thanks for reminding me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Eight miles a gallon, the tank you probably- You don't care about that, let's be honest. Uh, I'm the guy driving around a power wagon over here. This that is true. Six and a half liter V8. That is true. Three quarter ton. Six point six point four liter. I yeah, think. around that. Uh, it sucks to be me. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do seriously. I, I, I we told you this as kids. Um, every time we still fill up our our gas tank, we what? See if you can complete that. What happens every time we fill up our gas tank? I, I don't know. You're not my son. You don't even every listen to me. Fi- you don't every, even know me. Every time we fill up our gas tank, I'm thankful because I remember yeah. the days when you couldn't fill up your whole I gas couldn't tank. Couldn't like a dollar yeah. at a time, and you yeah. put a dollar yeah. into a vehicle that gets yeah. eight miles a gallon. You're not going very yeah, I far. I remember. I remember growing up and not having any money. And you and mom talking about stories about buying the tiny little Jif peanut butter jars because you couldn't afford the double pack. Yeah. And then, you know, once things started taking off, being able to buy two peanut butter jars at a time was like a. A luxury. It was. Yeah. We could buy two (laughs) 20-ounce peanut butter jars. Oh, my goodness. It's a God good glory. Hallelujah. (laughs) No, it is is really, um, really crazy how I would, I was telling somebody this the other day. I've never been poor. You know, you know, grandma, grandpa, upper middle class, but Mm -hmm. you also know they're not, they throw nickels around like they're manhole covers <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know i haven't heard that phrase before. yeah they're yeah they're uh so i just i i've never really had any disposable income really until as yeah. you know recently yeah and mm-hmm. the thought of having a, a vehicle that i could restore and not need it to drive around just right. be a joy vehicle is is crazy yeah hey, you want a beer yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what are you doing we've been we waited too long here let me find one all right, here's what we got. We got, uh, oh, Give me the Iron truth. City. Just straight up. Give me a truth. How about Iron City? We don't have much time on okay. here. Give me a truth. Uh, all right. All right, I'm going to have Quality Iron. Quality over quantity. I'm going to have Iron City. Have, has anybody ever cracked a beer on the mic on this podcast? Uh, me, I think. We do one at a time or at the same time? Uh, on three. Yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, have you ever had this beer? Iron Shitty. I mean, <laughs> Iron City. Sorry. Yeah. Have I not told you a story behind Iron City beer? No. Everyone in Pittsburgh when I was growing up drank this beer because it was the cheapest beer and everyone called it Iron Shitty. Yeah. Because <laughs> it wasn't any good. So I'm out of Pittsburgh for about 10 years and I go back to Pittsburgh and I'm seeing somebody. I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's, let's, ha- let's have an iron. Let's pump an iron. Pump an iron. What we said. Took this beer. I was like, oh my goodness, this is good freaking beer. I mean, it is good. So Rob Seddon, 
buddy of mine, as you know, he's, uh, was in Pittsburgh the other day, and he picked me up a case. So I've been savoring it. Uh, oh. Remember the thing Steve told us about loggers? No, what? Now he, you know, he was involved with the, the brewery down there in an OTR, and he talked about how people think IPAs are hard to brew, and that's not the case. The hardest beer to brew is a lager. Yeah. Because lagers are so light and pilsners are so light, that type of beer is so light. Any type of imp- imperfection will just throw it off a of whack, which, like, if you ever have, like, a microbrew lager, a lot of times it's, it's pretty bad. It's yeah. pretty skunky, whereas, right. like, you know, a Coors Light. Oh, well, we said light. to the guy who was interviewing the bre- this brewmaster to bring into his brewery, one of his many, many businesses that Steve has, and he said, um, all right, so tell me, like, what, what's a really good beer for you? Mm-hmm. And the guy goes... Uh, what kind of beer? I don't know. Like your best lager. Yeah, he said, if I just want to sit down for a while and just just have a couple of beers, just like what's your go-to drinking beer? I said, well, for lager, uh, Coors is what he said. (laughs) Steve was saying lager. We call him lager. What? (laughs) No, you can't say Coors. You got to say something brewed in Aspen off the sweat of of Bigfoot's testicles that uh, (laughs) ferments for a You you can't just say that. Right. And uh, he said, "No, seriously, they it's a, it's a hard beer to do yeah. that lager, and they Makes and they sense. nail it, right? And why every microbrew does the, the IPAs because they're easy to brew because anybody can brew one because that hoppy flavor will mask any imperfection you have in your brew. And I guess there's at least so I've been told. Well, and I guess but now there's this more on the internet and everything on the internet is true. Well, yeah, so now you're on the internet. This, that's true. Exactly, and everyone knows there's never anything wrong said in the aggressive life. Everything is safe and always true all the time. So you say. <laughs> so I say." Did anybody ever spit on your podcast? I guess. Uh, like, like what? I can't believe you would spit on my floor. This, I just didn't want to spit on these courts. This floor has floor. never been spit on before. This is seriously a skanky, skanky looking garage right now. I've, I've not. What's the garage is being used? It is being used. Well, I'm using a. I'm, I'm writing a new book right now. I think I told you about it. It's something, something along the line of. We don't have to tell you yet, but something along the line of your primal DNA. What's your primal DNA? Like we all have That's primal cool. DNA. Yeah. yeah. Primal DNA. And these are these are identities that everybody has. You don't walk it. We don't walk in them, but everybody has. And you see them all the way in the scriptures from, from when God creates Adam and Eve and the things he tells them to do and David and Jesus, the whole thing. And one of them is king. We all have a primal DNA of being a king or a queen because we all have a kingdom. Well, what what is your disgusting look in your face like? How long have you been working on this book? This is a pretty cool topic. I've never heard you talk about this. Oh, well. How far? Okay, sorry. No, 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 no. It's cool. I'm interested that you're interested in my job. No, no, yeah. That's a a cool topic. Continue. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interrupt. I just didn't know that that was in the works. Right, yeah. So it's in the works. And... um, I don't know. I don't know. Anyone's going to actually pick it up and publish it. I don't have. A, I don't have a publishing deal yet. But 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 I'm writing it and working on it. So um, there's six of them. And and uh, have you ever read who's the, the Atomic Habit guy? James Clear, I think his name is. One of the things they talk about with habits and disciplines. Yeah, I'm is familiar to, with it. Yeah, is to pin the discipline to your identity. Hmm. So like. I, you say this a lot, actually. I get you, you say I've got this from you. You you say, well, when you and Comet, your wife, you're trying to run across the street and try to get across fast enough until someone hits you. You say what? Be an athlete. Be an athlete. Be an athlete. Be an athlete. Chop chop, right? And what you're tapping into there is this identity that you have that says, I work out, 
I run, I because I am an athlete. If you just say, I need to lose some weight, I need to start doing something, it's not as effective as pinning it to your identity. Go, no, I am, I'm an athlete. That's that's what I am. I, 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 just, I, I work out, that's what I do. So it's those similar things if you know these things. And so one of them is, to get back to my messy garage, is everyone is a king or a queen. God tells Adam and Eve, put you on the earth. You're going to have dominion over it. Take care of it. Name the animals. They're actually basically acting like kings and queens. And so one of the two things that a king does is a king brings order to his kingdom. Mm. That's why I'm bothered by the state of my garage. There's no order in here right now. It's disgusting. It's, and you remember my garage in our old house. That thing was buttoned up. I've, I've just, I got stuff strewn all over the place. And Sadly, my, I have that same gene. Which gene? Just a messy garage. I was just in my garage about an hour ago doing some wiring on this new bike that I got in there. And I'm just like looking at it. I'm like, oh, this place has pigsty. But then I'm also thinking, no, if you use your stuff, your garage is going to be messy. But like, do you really want to take 20 minutes before you start a project to just organize everything, put everything back? And then you start your project and then everything's crap is strewn out all about. I mean. You need to organize it just enough where you can find stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. Thank you. You gave me that gene because my, my garage is a mess too. Well, we were using your stuff. You know? Yeah, right. But, you know, it, it still bothers us because we're a king that needs order, need order in our family, need, ooh, we got rain out there. Are we picking yeah. up rain on these, uh, on these mics? Sweet. All right. we, have, uh, we have the garage door open. Need a little, need a little ventilation. <clears throat> I keep trying to think, like, while I have you, what would people be most interested for you to say about me that they haven't heard about me? What would be people be like, oh, that's the way he was as a dad. Oh, sure. The guy who talks about manhood was actually a weenie boy and did X, Y, Z. You got any things you want to tell on your old man here? Well, yeah. If I'm coming on your podcast, I guess I got to sing your praises for a little bit. I'll tell you a little uh, story. I think, I've, yeah, I think yeah. I've told you this before. Um, I don't know if this, is, uh, this relates to you, but it's not really a story about you. It's yeah. just a story about you. And mentioning, which I think paints in a good light. But I was at, uh, we we're down in Tennessee for a little family Christmas ordeal. And I left with my cousin uh, to go just hang out with some of the guys that are his age. And we're at this just little get together, little party or whatever you want to call it. And came to find out that one of the other kids there was a pastor's kid too. I don't know how we, I don't know, like a radar went off. I don't know how. I don't oh, know that. you I, meet up, you met him out. Right, right, okay, right. And, we, and just some guy I never met before. And we start talking and it finds out that his dad's a, they're a pastor of a pretty well-known church, I guess, somewhere down in, in the Tennessee area. I don't remember who at the moment, but anyways, he goes, he says something along the lines of, he goes, he's like drinking his beer and he looks at me and like, then he, his brow gets all rough and goes, yeah, you know, it's weird being a pastor's kid. And then, then you get old enough and you just find out how f- everything is behind the scenes. And I remember looking at him and I'm like, mm, no, man, behind the scenes is what you see in front of the scenes. Like there's no tricks with you. There's no like, Smoke and mirror kind of a thing. I mean, what what's on stage, what's on the podcast is, yeah. you know, how you operate. And so I, I, I think about that story often, how that kid was, you know, bashing his dad about, you know, behind the scenes. And I'm like, I just couldn't, yeah. you know, couldn't really say cheers. Yeah, that's, so there, how about, about that? It. That's something that, that's awesome. Too, man. That's probably something people don't know or, you know, yeah, haven't heard. So there's no games, people. This guy's just as bizarre and weird. In this garage with no microphones, as he is with microphones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. 
The thing I always wanted, you know that, uh, you know, me and your grandfather, he's a really good man, so thankful for him on so many levels. He's blessed me with many, many ways, um, just, just great. But we never really had a friendship where we were just hanging out and having fun, you know, yeah. not just haven't done that. Right. My goal always for you to be the, the first person who was of my DNA who was a male to be able to cultivate a lifelong friend. Check. Yeah. Got that. Yeah, you know, big that's time. so good. I mean, I, I would buy your son a motorcycle. Yeah. If you got a 16 year old kid <laughs> and you ride bikes, get him a bike. Well, that's that, that, that's a good tie to the aggressive life. I mean, I think that's why we're friends. That's, I mean, that's why we've been so close over the years is getting into motorcycles together. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, you're right. Well, actually, geez, so interesting you bring this up because the motorcycle was really probably the beginning of that book, Five Marks of a Man, where I knew that there needs to be a swearing-in ceremony for guys, for, for, for young men, for young males to become men. It doesn't matter what the, what the swearing-in ceremony was. And so I thought, boy, it would be really great if we went and went on a bike trip and we declared you a man on that bike trip. That bike trip still has some of the best pavement we've ever. Because we, ever since then, we've just been doing off-road trips, and that pavement we were hitting twisties. We were going through every national park. I mean, well, it's all I could do. I was on a Harley, and you were on a yeah. you were on a GS, and yeah. so were the other guys. But I was the only guy on a Harley. We had to we had to do it, and I, and I didn't know how to do anything yeah. other than pavement anyway. And I realized on that trip that oh, responsible responsible adult speed. <laughs> like, like I'm gonna go on this trip with dad we're gonna go 55 I'm like no we're going 90 we're going 90 we're passing you <laughs> right like, totally geez. oh my gosh the grief I got from people that I was gonna put you on a motorcycle um well, you, uh, don't you, you know it's called a donor cycle? Yeah, but you vetted me I mean you took me out to a parking lot first and had me get familiar with the bike and then it was mandated go to the motorcycle safety course do that and remember that first trip I Instinct kicked in on that, that that you know all the emergency braking techniques they have you do to stand up the bike, and we were coming around this big sweeping right hand turn. I don't know somewhere in Wyoming, I would imagine. We, we did it. That loop was like ten thousand miles or something. It was, it was crazy. We did a glacier. Maybe not ten thousand. Gla- we did. We did. That no, wasn't ten thousand. It was, it was still, thousands. We had to do oil changes halfway through. We, we, we were doing so many miles, and we, I was coming around this <laughs> this bit. Oh, no, that's a story. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Anyways, coming around this turn and the deer jumps out, and I remember muscle memory kicked in, was able to stand the bike up, and the, that BMW at the time had the servo brakes and mashed on the brakes, was able to stop, and the guys behind me were like, I don't know, if I, if I, you know, I've, if I could have done that or whatever, and I was sitting, I was just, oh, it was muscle memory from that course. So if you're gonna get your motorcycle yeah. course, especially if you're gonna get your kid a bike, make sure he does the motorcycle safety. Yeah. course in your state that's mandatory and for those of you who don't ride bikes if you ever hear somebody say you know i just had to lay it down you just say to them you mean you didn't know proper braking technique <laughs> you mean oh you mean you wrecked yeah you mean you mean you jammed on your rear <laughs> had, brake when you were leaning over and the bike went out from you lay it down. and you stood that bike right up and yeah. did proper braking right technique. right keep straightening it up and jam it on you know, look for traffic find a lane you know the whole deal yeah, so, impressive. Yeah, it works. Well, we did. We did. We went to Denver, to the Grand Canyon, which is Arizona, all to the way Glacier, up to Glacier to in Montana on the edge, up and then back, back to Denver. Yeah, that was a long. Yeah, that was a thousands, lot of miles. Thousands of miles. I think we're aver- I think we did like averaged like 
500 something miles a day for like it's a lot for like 10 days so yeah it was a lot well you you know yeah <laughs> did you think of the same story i thought uh, yeah, yeah of course which which one would well that there's be? two parts that that's the beginning of the story from changing the oil in right. the o'reilly's parking lot and then what happened after that that night with uh can i mention his name i remember yeah, his name yeah i do too Derek hutton yep so H- hutton or houghton uh, i thought it was hutton okay might have been Derek hutton legend mountain man bow hunter like before bow hunting was cool before there was any you know instagram or thing that this guy was bow hunter hardcore montana guy and we ended up staying at his place that night after he, he saved our ass after he after he almost got in a fight with him yeah, right. Because which would not have been good for me um, or any of us. We, we were we were we had to change the oil in the motorcycle. I had a Harley Davidson. I had not changed the oil on before. It was a new bike, and we pull into O'Reilly's, drop the oil, and I don't. I've changed oil in a lot of vehicles. We never were, a Harley. We were just not as mechanical. No, we were not. As we are today. So I drained the wrong oil out of the bike. Drain like your tranny oil or something like that. Tranny yeah, food. Yes, and then I. Yes. And then I filled it up. <laughs> and of course, I hadn't taken any oil out of the engine. It was all in there. <laughs> so I filled it up. No. So I was such a dumbass. I filled it up and the oil was sitting on top. And I was going, wait a minute. I only put like a half a quart in. I don't know. Maybe you got to like, maybe you got to work cycle, the oil cycle, in. Right? So I, I turned the oil on. Into the block. Right. I turned it's on. It's starter. I turned it on. Oil goes spewing everywhere. It's like a giant four quarts of oil. Giant turn all over the place. Turn it off. I'm like, oh gosh. And just then, this guy and his buddy come by and they go, You're going to clean that up? I'm like, Yeah, we're going to fight here. I went in, we cleaned it up. They circled back. They saw we were stressed out. Day's getting long. I can't get the, I can't get the, I can't get the bolts off to get the right oil in. And um, I end up calling this guy, says he's closed, he can't do anything. And I said, well, don't you have some double, triple overtime rate? He goes, I'll be over in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hawk. Because like, we, we were in a pickle. Mm-hmm. You had, you, we couldn't figure it out. You had no fluid in your bike. It's like, we're, we're not going to run this thing. And, and we have how many guys with us? Five guys. And we're all like, yeah, we we bolts are stripped. Bolts right, are stripped at this right, point. I can't right. get them out of there, and I don't. I have no idea what to do. Again, right. to your point, we were not. That was savvy. thirteen years ago. We were not mechanically savvy. For, so today, third, we would have figured water. that out. Back then, not. So yeah. we're trying to figure this out. And then this guy comes looping back, um, Derek, and he they start playing nice. This. Huh? I miss that guy. Anyways, yeah, okay. yeah. Hey, you know what? Here's the crazy thing: the aggressive life goes a lot of places. Odds are. Somebody on the listeners is going to know of a Derek Houghton in Montana who used to serve in the military. Drove a blue Silverado. That it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, which you drove. <laughs> <laughs> so so we go up, we 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 go up to the guy, oh, why don't you just pitch your tents in my in my yard? We're like, really? Okay, so we go up and pitch the tents in his yard. So anyway, that was kind of the night that we had, and other than your episode of drive, just tell him that episode. You have to drive down to. Uh, no, no okay, something should. something should be unsaid. I think you're right. You know? I think you're right. Bottom line, Derek saved us. Total character, good guy. Yep, very good. But it's just, just like a classic bike trip story where it was. You know, something goes wrong and you remember it. Yep, you just a memory. It's a lifelong memory of you know mechanical failure and we we're right down our luck and kindness of strangers helped us out and right. You know, well one of the one it of the happens uh, so often too. So, oh, so many times, time. so many times. How about the time 
Brett's went down and broke his shoulder yes. in the in the in the the sticks of the forest in, of in West Virginia. Some loggers, and they were just oh yeah, we'll throw we'll, your bike in my truck and we'll take you to the hospital. We'll go what an hour out yeah, of the way, right, just down, right? Or Nuts. Judd waterlocking in West Virginia and has and ended up bending valves and all kinds of deal with his bike, and then we found just some guy at a gas station and. Just loaded and just lied it on its side. It didn't strap it down. Just put it on its side. <laughs> uh, but I guess I get. I guess I get into these things. Um, gosh, I'm not I'm not trying to pump the book that I haven't even written. I wanted to talk five marks for a man, but one of the other primal identities is a is a mother or a father. We're all meant to be mothers and fathers. Mm-hmm. If not, if not of our own DNA, kids of somebody. We need to father somebody. So I'm trying to just father from afar uh, our audience and say, hey. Mom, dad, motorcycles might not be your thing. That's fine. I'm not telling you to like, do motorcycles, but I am saying this. Think really hard about what things you can do to bond with your kids that'll foster a friendship. It's priceless. That was probably yeah. the best decision I made. And I and I didn't I never knew anybody who had ever done that either. Right. You know? Right. I don't I don't know where you and I'd be relationally wise if we didn't have all those all those memories. It's great. Definitely. Yeah. You gotta spend money on your kids. Gotta pay, pay to play. Pay to play. If your kid, you're gonna, yeah. your kids are going, you know, when your kids are six, seven, twelve, captive audience, there's, they're going to be with you. But then as they age, they're only going to be around you if they want to be with you, and they're only going to want to be with you if you're fun. Right. If you, if you're, if you're going to play, and and that's why I said pay to play. Those things always cost money. Yeah, you can do a board game with them, but there's things that you're going to have to invest in if you want to invest in the relationship because yeah. kids want to, kids want to have fun. They want to right. have a reason why they right. want to be around you and look mm-hmm. forward to it. And uh, yeah, I'm proud of, I'm proud of that with you. It's been, it's been great. So yeah, you, and you got a, You got a, a, a son of your own. You have right now. I do. Little Teddy. Are Teddy you, Tome. are you already thinking about uh, fathering philosophies of what you are or aren't going to do, do with him? <laughs> uh, I th- yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot recently about him. You know, we're on this topic of, you know, you got to spend money on your kids. <clears throat> I think, you know, I think there's something to be said about spoiling your kids in a good way. Hmm. Uh, growing up, you know, we talked about earlier being in poverty and starting a church, a ministry, you know, not making any money. You were talking about, we're talking about the peanut butter things and you couldn't fill up a t- full tank of gas back in the day. But, like, we never... Like, I don't mean to like rag on you, but you know, grow, growing up, there like we never really had things. Yeah. Like we didn't have any possessions. We didn't have any toys. And if we did have a toy, then it would be taken from us and donated to the church. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd have to go to kids' club the next day and see other kids playing with our right. toys. You know. Yeah. Which is great for you know teaching your kids selflessness, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But later in life, now that you know making a salary and you know, dual income, no kid up until this point, you know, I've kind of fallen into that consumerism of like anything I want now, I just buy it, you know, like, oh, long travel suspension, <laughs> I need that, you know, or some top of line rooftop tent, like, oh, I'm just going to buy it, I just want it. So I think like for me, I, this is just something, this is random, this isn't like any deep yeah, thing, but, yeah. you know, spoiling your kids in an appropriate way, I think is... It's good. You could say spoil. In an appropriate way. Well, you could say spoil. I mean, obviously, spoil. nobody likes a little brat, you don't need to buy them everything they want, but... You or you're saying spoil. I think the thing you're yeah. You're when really I say spoil, I just yeah. Bless, bless, right. Bless, bless your them. kids. Yeah. yeah we um, 
Yeah, we didn't. Uh, there was a lot of blessings we we just could not give you. We sure. just we just didn't have sure. it. Couldn't do it. It's hard to imagine because now because you know in prime income earning years earning us mega church pastors we make good money, you know, but there wasn't anything mega about you and you growing up. No. Nothing mega at all. And uh, well, it's it's kind of fun to watch you. I, I know you're probably sowing your wild financial oats that you're able to do things that you couldn't do before and I couldn't do. And uh, it's cool. I mean, you can do it. You can do it. You, you, all you guys, all you guys have things that are doing things in your 20s that your mother and I couldn't, couldn't think about doing to our 40s. Mm-hmm. You know, part of that's because you've worked really, really hard and you've gotten in good marketplace niches. And part of it is, you know, ministry just doesn't, doesn't pay a lot. Yeah. And I think we've just we, you've demonstrated hard work from a young age. So, outside of appropriately spoiling and blessing your kids, I mean, demonstrating hard work for your kids is huge. Mm. I mean, there were times, you know, I remember, I don't know, for fifteen years in a row, you wouldn't be coming home until sun. I I never saw you walk through the front door without the sun being down. You know, mm. it was eight nine o'clock almost every night for years and years and years. And that that hard work, you know, obviously your pastor working weekends, you know, that's huge too. For were you better about kid. that? No, no, I wasn't. No, that was great. I mean, I mean, I I think a lot of it too because we were working alongside you, doing volunteering every weekend, and we all had skin in the game growing up. You know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe if you were some corporate dad who was choosing a corporation over the family, that would have been a lot different. Uh, you know, more scarring. I don't know, however you want to say that, but yeah. but demonstrating hard work for your kids is huge. I think that's one of the reasons why you know, like you said, your your kids have. Yeah. Have been able to, to work hard to, to be where they are today in their twenties and and finally be able to buy themselves things because growing oh. up you couldn't buy us anything. So. Well, if you and that, and that yeah. sounds awful. I mean, I, I don't mean to. No, I'm not I, pumping I, up the consumerist, you know, mindset at all. But uh, yeah, yeah, demonstrating that hard work is is huge. Huge. Well, you were hanging out with kids who had a lot of means. Their parents had a lot of means, True. and so you True. were constantly reminded of that. If you're around people True. who are all the same economic yeah, bandwidth, sure. you you don't you don't think of it that yeah, much. Yeah, I see that. But I, I, the thing that I never wanted is, and I'll just, I'll stop saying, we've talked about this before. We've probably talked about just about all this. will just be yeah. too cumbersome. But the thing that, that I never wanted is I never wanted uh, ministry or the church to be the reason why you didn't have faith. You know, if you mm. guys, if you guys weren't going to, if you guys weren't going to walk with Christ, that was going to be between you and God. I was I was going to make darn sure it wasn't because the church just hurt our family. The church was just you weren't going to be able to blame it on the church if you're going to walk away from the faith. I was I was dedicated to not having the church be the reason for that. And so, knowing that was cool for you, are we have another one here. Right. Yeah, so that's all we knew. I mean, since I was three years old, that's all I knew was ministry and. Seeing you I'll work and then working alongside you as well. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers. Well, I'm going to Guy's truth here, so I'm going to get in the same place. But do you, do you remember, uh, again, this is just tips for parents. It's not a parenting podcast, but do you remember what I would do whenever I got a raise? You would bless us. Yep. 
I do, would, do you remember what the things that you did bless us with? I only one remember thing one. sticks out in my mind. Oh, hugely. Well, people, what happened, and then you tell me what it, what it was. So yeah. the, the thought of it was, whenever I got a pay raise, whatever that, whatever the amount of that first paycheck that was higher than the last paycheck, whatever that amount was, I took that amount and I went and I bought gifts for the kids, and I would come home. So maybe I, sometimes I would amortize that. I would say, well, maybe the, the, the first month, yeah, the first month of raises, some, whatever that is. I figured it, this is now found money for the next whatever it is based on our lifestyle. So I would go out, I would buy something for each one of you, and I'd come in and I would say, look what's here, look what's here. And I would say, we have, I, Crossroads got this for you. Aren't they good to uh-huh. take care of me? And aren't they good to take care of us? Isn't our church good to us? So you would just have seared in your brains. Oh, the church has blessed me. The church has given me this stuff. And it, it's just one of the ways to make sure that you are pro-church. Yeah. So what, what do you remember? I don't remember which one. I don't remember what year it was, but of any gift I've ever received as a kid, it was huge. It was a PlayStation 2. Oh, man. Which at the time, you know, it was like 220 bucks, whatever it is, you know, that... And I never in my wildest dreams ever thought I would ever get a PlayStation 2. I think I, like a friend of mine ended up giving me a PlayStation 1 or something that you know I played with. And everybody had the PlayStation 2s or the Xboxes and all that. And I was just like, oh, well, I'd, mom and dad can't afford that. I know that's not going to happen. And that was just something that you know, you'd, you just accept as a, as a ministry kid, just not having those nice things, always yeah. driving the old cars and all that. Yeah. And then you came home with that PlayStation 2. And it, it wasn't even like... Well, it blew my mind. It wasn't near my birthday. It wasn't around Christmas. It was just out of the blue. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was just thinking about that earlier when I was talking oh, yeah. about blessing your kids. Interesting. And that PlayStation 2 meant so much to me, so much to me. I mean, I don't, I don't know how old I would have been at the time a PlayStation 2 came out, but just something as, for you, as financially, I don't want to say inconsequential because that was a, a big chunk of change, but you know that was super impactful Yeah. to, to feel... You know, part of the family and, and loved in a way where, oh no, you can actually get things that you want, not just things that you need. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that PlayStation Two was. Mm-hmm. I don't remember deal. the PlayStation. I don't remember the I specifics think about of the all gifts. Dear, really, all the time. Isn't that funny? The things that all we do time. that we forget about, but our kids remember. Mm-hmm. That's really, yeah. I wish someone had. I mean, I wish I had a pep talk from people about that when I was when I was a kid. You know, when I was when I was a young dad, I've told the story many times. You know, that old lady coming up to me, and I was holding you. I think I was holding you, as a little baby, young old lady coming up to me and goes, "Oh, oh, I'll enjoy it because it goes by so fast." <laughs> and I thought, I hope so because this sucks. <laughs> this just, this just, it's hard work. And you know, all of a sudden, you wake out of bed one day and you go, "Oh my gosh, that old lady was right." It went by so fast, and I wish I I, I I wish I would have savored it more than I did, you know. It is amazing how many old ladies out there are so open about how much how cute your kid is, and they'll tell you. Like I never realized that until you know walking Teddy around. It's like every old woman just oh, and, I, and like I thought like first of all like oh this is great this is great I'm gonna get annoyed with this though no I don't get annoyed with it anybody that tells me my kid's cute is like damn straight he's right. cute you know well and they don't lie either. No, they're not lying. No, they don't. And you never, I never understood until I had a kid. Like, right. It's so weird. Everybody's like, oh, the kid's so cute. I never, uh, I never cared about I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah. They go up to say, oh, your child's beautiful. He's so cute. If he's not or she's not, which happens, they go, oh, she's so, 
nice and <laughs> angelic yes or so precious like precious. they won't say good looking <laughs> cute beautiful if your kid isn't good looking cute beautiful they will not lie they'll say something nice because yeah. every every yeah. child is awesome but uh everybody likes getting their kid complimented i know that is that's that that's the truth yeah my gosh if i had to how old were we when when that woman told you that like what? So let me ask you this: If you could have like a one, if you could just get in time machine right now, and you can go back and spend one week at with your three kids in their childhood stage, what ages would you want to spend? Uh, for some reason, the age six pops up to me. Age six. You know, when when the kids are when you guys are six, or your kids are six, they're. They're so, uh, they're untainted by the world. Mom, Still innocent. Innocent. Mom and dad are, are like demigods. It's, it's been called the golden years. You can do no wrong. You know, your words mean something. You get to a place and I tell you something like, ah, oh, whatever, dad, you know what you're talking about, you know. But they're in that age where your words are so meaningful and heavy. And I was not as choiceful with my words uh, as I should have been. I, I just wasn't, you know, um, um, Mariah, I still remember my youngest daughter just being totally on edge. She was six. She was, you know, two of my, two of my biggest regrets are probably when you were six. That's probably why I said six. When Mariah was doing that cartwheel, she was endless cartwheels, and I was just worn out. I had no margin. I was like, would you stop doing the cartwheels? And I could just look at her. She was like, broken. <laughs> And then, then Florida, then Key Largo. No, that was no, that was uh, that was over on Moyer. Oh, yeah, that was on Moyer. And then I do remember Mom getting on you about that though. She, she should have. Oh she was yeah. Pissed. Oh, you were there. Yeah. 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 It was not good. <laughs> yes, I was there. <laughs> and then I've been, I lived with you for the first eighteen years of my life. Yes, if, you did. If, if you remember. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then for you was that time I spanked you when you were kissing your grandmother. Oh, when we were praying. Right. And I was kissing her hand. So awful. I, I was. I just was in this phase of I've got to assert, you know, my dominance. I've got to make sure this kid toes the line. And I, I viewed everything as an affront to listening to what I said. So I said, we're going to pray. And I looked over and you were kissing your your great-grandmother's, your great-grandmother's hand. Yeah. And again, I was, that was, you talk about coming in at nine o'clock at night. I just, I just had no margin, no emotional margin. Yeah. I just couldn't. Yeah. I was a dick in so many ways. And then Still I, are. <laughs> well, good. Well, you need it. You deserve it. Yeah, you deserve right. it now. Right. At least now yeah. when I am, you have much, enough of backbone and muscle mass to actually take it. When you were a little six-year-old, you couldn't, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. like, oh, just so. All right, this is not the depressing life. Enough depressing stuff. Yeah. I, 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 at minimum, it's just good to recognize we all got faults. We all got problems. Yeah. You, know, you, live in, you live in the past, you live in the future, but I still regret things that are in the past. I do. Hmm. What if, what would you say to moms and dads who have little boys in their house? What are things that you've learned that you want to make sure you do or things that you don't do that I did or things you're going to do with Teddy? Like, do you have any, any convictions around that? 
But like what, like what not to do with your kids? What not to do or what to do? I'm not, I'm what, not a what. parenting expert. I don't know. I know you're not, but you got parented by me, so that yeah. that's just your memories of stuff you appreciate or didn't appreciate. Where I really dropped the ball. I mean, you've just you've just scarred me so many times. <laughs> I just have uh, so much baggage. Come on, <laughs> oh, you can make me cry. <laughs> so what not to do? Well, I told you to, to appropriately spoil your kids. I think. Yeah, that's good. I think that would be my my thing, and, and what not to do. I don't know. I think. I mean, the helicopter parenting is ridiculous. Um, just don't don't helicopter your parents or don't helicopter your kids. I think you you and mom were so appropriately and inappropriately sometimes just disconnected with our social lives, our yeah. curriculum with school, everything. Where, you know, there there wasn't much presence there. It was, oh, you got homework? Well, I'm not going to tell you to do your homework. You're either going to pass or fail growing up. Um, and I think we probably could have used a little bit more helicopter out of you guys. Because yeah. there wasn't, you know, there wasn't much structure. There wasn't much, oh, well, you, if you want to watch TV, you got to do your homework first. It was, you know, you kind of just let us do our own thing, which, yeah, you know, well, as a kid, it's great. But in hindsight, you know, Getting getting some of those uh, some of those habits formed early on would have been nice. I yeah, still procrastinate good. with that's good. with a lot of things, which I don't I don't really like. But hey, it always works out. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. I have a high standard of excellence, but I always end up waiting till the eleventh hour to to put excellence into what I do. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's just such a fine line, though. Yeah, that so you would, don't want to be yeah. a helicopter parent, but then you also don't just want to be absent. I don't know. Man, well, that was one for us where. If we were wrong with it, at least we were strategically wrong. It wasn't like we just were asleep at the wheel. We yeah. thought, these guys need to learn how to take control of their life, and I'm not going to browbeat them, and they're going to have to live with the consequences. Yeah. The only time I came close to browbeating you, I think, was when you were applying for college. You think you were browbeating me for <laughs> I do. <laughs> I don't no? remember. I don't remember like that at all. But. Well, you wanted to go to one college, University of Cincinnati, and only one. That's all and you're going to apply for. And I was like, "You sure you're not going to apply to any others? You're just going to." I applied five minutes before the deadline, <laughs> right? and it was the only school I applied to. There were kids in my grades. Well, yeah, great example. People who had helicopter parents, and people like, "Oh, I got accepted to fifty colleges already." And I'm like, "Geez, I don't even apply to. I don't even. What's college? I don't even know how to spell college." I, <laughs> And I and and I applied to one school and it was five, I remember sitting at the the library computer because our we had a school counselors and they came and said have you applied to any colleges yet I was like no I, I haven't well you gotta if you want to go to UC today is the deadline so they pulled me out of class and I went to the library and I wrote my essay in thirty minutes and I got some coaching from Lena who was at uh, at UC at the time and everything was you know just be enthusiastic about the school just talk about passion you are so I just you know naturally I think I'm a, a semi decent writer. And was able to just you know barf out a, a little, a little a little essay, and yep. my I think I graduated like a two point three GPA, which is below the average GPA acceptance of UC. And I remember I, I submitted it like five minutes before the deadline, and I was like, well, I guess that's it. I could, if I don't get accepted, I guess I'm not going to college. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'll just be, you know, go to trade school. I don't know at the, at the time, but everybody was going to college. Yeah, right. All you know, everybody. It was like. The school was just hang, you know drilling that into kids, and then I remember, like a week later, the school counselor comes running down the 
running down to the hallway going, Jake, Jake, great news. You got in. I was like, I guess I'm going to college. Go to college. <laughs> I, guess gotta, I was riding I you harder than that. I was riding you and getting your You were your riding me hard, but not hard enough because I only applied to one school and it was five right. minutes before the deadline. Well, no, it worked thing. out. I was riding you, but I mean, I can lead a horse to water, but you got you to gotta drink, you know? Right. So it all worked out. Gosh, you've, you've nailed it, man. And ironically, that kid that I was talking about who got accepted to 50 colleges, yeah. and he was like talking about him, it dropped out the first semester. Right. Boozing too hard, smoking too much, and just couldn't handle it. Well, there's a So lo- there's your helicopter parent right there. They're pay- straight A kid, got accepted to 50 schools. Right. And then got to school and like couldn't handle not having mommy there. Right. Telling him what telling the hell him to what do. Telling him what to do. Right. And just got lost in the sauce and didn't make it a full semester. Well, I think it was like a couple months and just like was, could, couldn't wake up for classes. Was just. You and I know a few people like that, you know, who just melted down. Yeah. You know, who just. You're right. They were a good student because mom and dad said, "What do you have homework tonight? Right. Okay, you got to do this." You didn't. Okay, it's you're you're kind. You're very much like me in that you were a late bloomer as far as discipline, education, all that. What you graduated, you see with good with good grades. Yeah, right? great you, grades. What, what, what was your GPA? Was, my my core GPA was like a three nine, which wow. is core GPA is like you know your business. You know the. Your classes that actually applied towards your degree, your degree-specific classes, but I think overall was like a, what's dean's list? Whatever the dean's list was, I was like a tenth of a point underneath that. I've never. I forget. I got. I never met dean. I never close enough. My my resume's out there. If you just kind of go to any of those recruiting sites, there's probably a couple people that have my resume. It's got it on there. But yeah, I mean, going from a two point three in high school, with no oversight, and then getting accepted to one school going in, and then I pulled those grades out just because. I think I think a big thing too is just I was surrounded with people who were, you know, driven, right? People who had a standard of excellence. Like the whole thing is surround yourself by the people you want to be like. That was, you know, I got into this fraternity in college that was right next to, to Lena's sorority, so she knew all the guys there, and they kind of took me under her wing, and I, you know, started hanging out with those guys, and it turned, you know, everybody's got the frat boy stigma in their mind, but like, no, those guys care about their, no, their careers right. and totally their grades. Right. And so totally right. going from high school yeah. with, you know, you don't care about anything, but sneaking cigarettes and trying to impress girls to then you're in a fraternity where you're still having a good time. But then it's like, Oh no, these guys are, these guys are pretty serious about, about, you know, trying to, to make their mark, trying to do something with their lives. Yep. And, and it was, that was, that was cool being surrounded by people who had that standard of excellence. I think right. that's where I got it from. And I was like, well, I'm, I don't want to be the loser who has bad grades and gets kicked out of the fraternity because I have bad grades. Right. So you know that that puts your ass in gear. They up. were, they were great. Yeah, you've you've exceeded me in so many ways. You've exceeded me in income. You've exceeded me in education. You've exceeded me. Well, I, I hate to even admit this. You've exceeded me barely in physical strength. Barely, <laughs> you've exceeded me in physical strength. You're getting there. We'll get you. There. <laughs> it's awesome, man. Really, you've you've just you just freaking crushing life. It's just great. Great. Well, thank you. I, I remember. It doesn't feel like that sometimes, but you know, I think. Well, how could it not feel that way? What are you talking uh, about? I, I, you got to have a healthy cynicism. You, you know, you always. I don't know. I was. You got to. You got to be a self critic at times. You got to want more. You got to. Uh, okay. You gotta think you can yes. do better. Yes, but that doesn't mean you can't notice reality. And reality is, you're nailing life, and you're you're well beyond where I was at. 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. I mean, you're just, just, just well beyond. And, 
in, in so, so many ways. It's really well, thank great you. to see. I'll take the compliment. Yeah, man, you, you deserve you. it. And, and Lena des- definitely deserves a lot of praise for that because she was the uh, <laughs> the typical the program director. Oh, the type A driven Jeez. first child. Still too driven. <laughs> Still too tight. Somebody created that girl in a lab. <laughs> I don't know if that lab was our mother's womb, but she was, you get a mad scientist, some, some bottles. And, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, that is the truth. She's a machine. She is a machine. Well, LT91. <laughs> that is what I talk. I talk like that. Everything I say is matter of fact and to the point and perfect. And I am driven. Born 91, model LT, lean at home. <laughs> And then, and then when she married Nick, she got upgrade to LS16, married 2016, new name acquired, Lena Schuler. <laughs> I hope she's I hope she listens to this. Oh, she's listening and she's she's angry we, uh, and she's crying oh, yeah, right now. Yeah. yeah. Part laughing, part upset that we're making fun of her. But that's that's our that's the tone family uh, love language. Oh gosh. It is it uh, I was just with uh with my in-laws in Florida this past weekend and and great folk. I really got yeah, super, did. super jackpot. lucky. Jackpot. Absolute jackpot. With married into this family, they're phenomenal people, but Haley often has to remind me, she goes, your family's not like my family. You can't just crack those jokes and make fun of people all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, what, what's an example? I don't want to give fun? examples, but I don't want to, but it's just, it's funny because you're right. Our family is very, very crass, you know, make, make fun of each other and, you know, I want to say respectful way, but no, it's it's pretty disrespectful. <laughs> well, there's respectful things. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, right. We're, we're we're pretty hard on each other, and it, it cracks me up being around my my wonderful in laws. And my wife often has to remind me, we're, we're just stop, just stop. Just, like, they don't they don't think that's funny. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> but I do. But I'm laughing. Oh. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a bit sluggish, not confident I was getting all the nutrients that I felt that I needed. And I thought maybe this is an easy solution. So I drink AG1 in the morning. I love doing the morning. I do it on an empty stomach. It forces me to get 12 ounces of water into my system. I love doing something proactive and aggressive to make me feel better and at least give me peace of mind. AG1 is designed with this kind of ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to complicate your routine. Each scoop has 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients of the highest quality. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So go to drinkag1.com slash aggressive life. That's drinkag1.com slash aggressive life to take control of your health. Check it out. I think maybe part of how you've excelled and why you and all your siblings have excelled is the the Tome family motto. Tome's hustle. Tome's hustle. Yeah. Tome's hustle. Chop, chop, hustle. Started when you were little kids, freaking losing my mind, seeing little kids, how long it takes them to put their shoes on and get out the house. 
It's like, you don't give your kids, have to give your kids like six warnings of getting ready. Right. It's one and chop, chop. Let's go. Let's go. Tom's hustle. Right. right. And um, watching TV. Hey, you should mow the lawn. Okay. Five seconds later, I told you to mow the lawn. <laughs> Turn the TV off and mow the lawn. Right. Yeah. Tom's hustle. Get it done. We hustle. We go. We right. hustle. And you've got that. You got ethic. It's, it's getting you uh, ahead in corporate America. It's gotten you ahead in a bunch of things. I think it's an interesting thing to think about of just having a family motto. That's a, that isn't necessarily the best family motto, but what is it that's back to that thing we had, your core identity? It's almost like your family identity. Yeah. What, what, what is that? Um, the hustle, all, all you guys have, all you guys have hustled and, uh, you know, hopefully you've seen, uh, your mother and I model that for you. Yeah, definitely. Family mottos are certainly important. So right. the Wells had a good one. Mm-hmm. Wells never quit. I remember that. I do. I yeah. do that. Bean was telling me, he said, but then one of the kids said, well, there was a time that we quit in this. <laughs> At least they, they, they said that. I don't, I don't think they ever did, but when your kids push back a little bit, that's, uh, that's very fun. Yeah, that's a great one. Wells don't quit. Great one. We don't quit. Wells don't quit. You know, whatever it is. Well, when we talk about, I got, the, I got this relaunch of this, of this book yeah. coming out, which is... It's exceeded, I mean, all of our expectations. It's it's sold out. Can't buy one anymore until the new new print comes out. Your five marks book. Five marks book. Which yeah. is your best book? I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, when it was the first one that I read cover to cover. So, because <laughs> uh, did you even start the other ones? Uh, I mean, I've, I've read I've read uh, I've read parts of the other ones. I think I what was your first uh, the first live uh, welcome to the revolution welcome revolution free book free book. I read like half of one of those, but I was I was younger when that came out. I wasn't really in the reading stage, and yeah, I picked up that five marks on an airplane. That it, it, it was the first book that I read, cover to cover, no stopping. Like, was it all the way through? It was good. It was, was it really good. odd for you? And to I'm not read just saying that because I have to. It actually is it's a damn good. Well, book. you ins- well you inspired the whole thing. You know, that yeah, that's why I liked it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I mean your story <laughs> was in me. there. <laughs> well, it was. You know, I tell the story in that about when you were born and looking down, and you. uh so then whenever that little table, you just sent a stream of urine up in the air, hit me in the shoulder and dribbled down my arm. And I thought, yeah, this guy's going to do exactly to me what I did to my dad. <laughs> there were excerpts of me in that book, but that book's not about me. I mean, no. That's, that's not, that book, I did not read it like that okay, at all. No, no. Okay, no, there, you're right. There, there were right. some things in there. Maybe that's why I like it because I thought there's there's a lot of funny stuff in there. But even I have friends who read that book and, and they talk about just, you know, your I think your writing style in that book in particular comes off as very personal and you know, there's, there's good comedy in there. There's good teaching in there. It's, you know, it's, there's not. It's not a dull book. There's not like yeah. a chapter like oh, how many pages are left from this chapter. You know, you're. It's it's one. It's it's, a, it's like a page turner. It's a well, I was a page turner, which doesn't doesn't happen. You know. Yeah. You don't you don't get page turn, you don't get page turners of self self help books Look very at often. You being complimentary of your old man. I yeah, like yeah. it. That's good. And I'm just trying to make you some money on that book because I found out that you didn't make shit on that book. <laughs> which is red. I don't, I, we made that you made that Instagram post about right, that and then and right. then she cut it out. She did. <laughs> she, cut it out. she did. <laughs> you cut she it out. did. We have JPS in the garage here who helps me with so much stuff. So yes. This, this is a story. She's like, we're, Oh, we can't uh, We okay, so this this is the story about that book and so we're we're riding. I'm looking right now at this badass 2023 KTM 1290 Super Adventure R. <laughs> oh, 160 horsepower to the wheel. Oh, oh. it is. Oh. Dialable trash oh. control. Oh. 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 
ABS at 1290 cubic inches. That was 1301. It is. 1300. Anyway, so we're both on these same bikes and we're cruising through the Nevada desert. First time we've ever done a trip by ourselves and we got the little center. We'd always talked. We should do a trip just because we end up waiting for a lot of people a lot of times because we tend to be at the head of the pack. And so, like, so hey, this so is we a, finally this is the did. Yeah. Before I had a kid come and I was like, well, we got to get a bike trip in while I'm, you know, we'll have a little bit of free time here left. And so we're cruising through the desert on this two track, just going way too fast, which is pretty easy on these bikes to be going faster than you should. And we start talking and about this book. Was it the Five Marks book, I think? And we were talking about how it's selling out. I think, yeah, you would start yeah. talking about how we're going to call it the new edition. And I asked, well, how, many, how many of those have you sold? He told me, number. I was like, "Wow, that's, that's that's a lot of books." And I said, "You know, we're father and son. I, I never, I never talk about finance with anybody. I think it's very inappropriate to talk about some of this stuff with 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 people. But father and son. So I just finally asked, "Yeah, I was so telling how, you how much, much I earned." Right. All that kind I was like, stuff. "So how much did you make on these books?" And he told me, and I was like, "What? You're only making this much on this book?" <laughs> Wait, 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 who's your publisher? <laughs> I hope I'm not getting you in trouble right now. No, but no, I, no. I'm not, I just don't know anything about publishing. But based off the volume of books you sold, and then you found out we did, then we start yelling back and forth, you know, in jest to each other, and then you end up crashing into a ditch because we were so fired up talking about this book. Worst wreck I've had like <laughs> yeah. in a long time. Yeah, that was a good one. Cracked my helmet. That was a good one. That was a good one. Well, you know, but what? hopefully the second edition you can uh, move a couple more more copies here and. Yeah, and pay for my shipping next time on our next bike trip. Because <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Well, part of it is <laughs> publishing. Is um, I mean, if you have a runaway bestseller, like can get on the New York Times bestseller list, that's awesome, and you're probably gonna do okay. But for the average person, you're you're not gonna, you're just not gonna make enough money to, to, yeah. to support whatever and especially but you've exceeded arts. you've exceeded your goals clearly if you're doing a second edition you've sold out yeah yeah but i also have a when you write a book our, do you have like a certain you're like i would consider this a success if i sold this many do you have like or do you just release it and i don't that's happens? part of the reason why i don't probably don't want to have those metrics in mind yeah that's that's part of my that's part of my problem it yeah. is a problem with me I, a couple things go first is we've we decided as uh, a church that me making significant income off of books would not be healthy for the church for me to be seen as hawking stuff to the church. So Okay. Yeah. Well, you yeah. should have mentioned that before I got you all fired up on the trail, then you wouldn't have wrecked. Well, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't so much upset about the board's decision there, but it also oh, was... Oh, the board's... Okay, so sorry, no. sorry, board. No, 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 I'm no, no. No, it's, it's, not, it's, not, just, it's not just that, but it is also the margins are, that's are good. slim. You that's don't, good, that's good. Yeah, I think... Yeah, because a, a lot of that could just dump right back into the church, right? That money you're making on those books. Mm-hmm. Am I talking too much yeah. here about... No, no, we're not allowed to talk about this no, stuff. No, we're definitely allowed to talk about it. Yeah, it's good. Well, you know, they just decided, decided and I well, think it's the right call. I've that's never healthy. sold. I've never sold nearly what like a, uh, you know, uh, Joel Osteen for a minute, you know, for a moment. Never sold remotely what 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 he's done. Which I heard but, he doesn't even take a salary from his church. He just have, he makes all of his money off his books. He is may not true? now. He may not now. But that's kind of the thing is that. We decided to do that. You've got to also pump your book big, big to the church because that's your base, mm, that's your platform. Sure. We just don't want to be up there on the on the on the stage selling books. We'll right, mention it, right, talk yeah, about yeah, it. I guess but, that makes sense. Yeah, he's gotten to a point, and others have. And I think it's I think it's a respectful thing to get to a place where you say, "I'm not going to draw a salary from the church. I'm going to, you know, live off my books." Which, if you're his level, 
huge. Well, Rick Warren. Yeah, right. Rick Warren, another guy. Amazing, that dude, amazing. He had like virtually the best-selling hardback book in history, Purpose Driven Life. Mm. It was... On every Christian bookshelf from oh, well, 1999 to... And New York 2000. Times bestseller. I mean, for number oh, yeah. one. It wasn't just a Christian That's thing. That's not with the tree on the cover. It's yes. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he... Uh, he said, um, he he when he got he got his stuff from that book, he uh, he went back. He made so much money off of it. He went back and he paid back his church for every paycheck they had ever given him. <laughs> he figured out That's how much awesome. money he's earned. That's great. In his well, whatever he was, twenty five years, and he went back and he. Renumerate That's the church great. for all of that. That's great. Yeah, and he, you know, at least last time I talked with Rick on that, he, he lives on like, he lives on like ten percent of his income. It's great to hear. It is funny how cynical people get with the mega church pastor earnings and all that stuff. I don't know if I want to scratch that vein any right now in this, you can this forum, it. but yeah, just like all the hate with people do with Osteen or like any of those big time guys, and then and then you find out these stories of. Like no, they're they're making money off the books that they worked on, yeah, and these, on overtime. Yes, like they're not taking they're not taking money out of the plate and just put it in their pockets. They're they're writing books and working just as hard as any other author out there, and selling copies. And, and then you hear stories like like Rick, who's dumping that money back into his church to give the paychecks back. Right. That's, that's, well, and I you, never knew that. That's you incredible. hear about these uh, these guys who are my quote unquote peers who have these awful things, and they are awful in these scandals. But you're hearing about them because they have a large enough church to hear about them. Mm. You, you don't hear about the guy who's, yeah, got a, right. who's got 100 people and is just a narcissist and right. is bitter. You don't hear right. about the guy who's got 300 right. people and right. he's got 300 because he won't empower staff. And he's, right. it, you, don't, you don't hear about any of those folks. I mean, I, I hang out with the who's who of Christendom yeah. pastor. And I'll tell you, those dudes, by and large, are more humble than the people I've hung out with in small churches. Not always, mm. but I'm just saying as a group, you get to a place like me and the Sides Crossroads. I know, and you know, you know this darn well. What God's done at Crossroads is way beyond my ability. Way, yeah. I know that way, way beyond my, it's, it's, it's just, and so what that does for you is you recognize I'm really not that good. It enables you to be humble. Because you realize yeah. God's doing something there, and this is not my personal discipline, my personal drive. However disciplined or driven I might be, it exceeds that, and I think that humbles you appropriately. Yeah. I think Crossroads has some pretty serious pipe hitters on staff, too, though. What's a pipe this hitter? Pipe hitter, just like your go-to people that are just oh yeah, just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Amazing. Swing a pipe for you. Break someone's knees if they need to. That's a, <laughs> that's a pipe fitter. Oh, we got, we got we got a lot of those. Oh gosh, totally. A lot of those. Totally. Well, okay, we're getting you getting me a church talk here. Yeah. Sorry. To, no, 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 no. Let's no, talk more about no, motorcycles. No, okay, it will it will. But I think some V8s people might find Jeeps. it might find it interesting. One of the one of the conversations I am so sick of when I get with senior pastors at large large churches, the big buzzword is succession. Mm. Yeah. 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 Big buzzword. Um, yeah, well, I'm hearing that buzzword all the time at, at our company too. Are you? Yeah, it's it's big. People well, are. I mean, that's, I think that's just a an issue. All companies and all organizations and churches. Succession is a big deal. It is well, especially when you consider, 
you know, the large church, as much as we, as much as we want to think it's the case, that we've brought all these people to faith and people are not going to church. That certainly happened across us to a large degree. We baptized 2,000 people in the last 12 months. Pretty amazing. And, and you're also getting a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people from other churches, a lot. So basically, the mm-hmm. body of Christ, the church world, if you will, if it was there was more diversity with a bunch of churches that had 200, 300, 400 members. Well, now when you got these churches, got 10,000, right, 20,000. Right. Those churches have gone out of business, if you will, mm-hmm. and consolidated here. So now when a church goes down, the stakes are much higher, just like your, just like your personal investment portfolio. You don't want all your eggs in one basket. You want to diversify. Yeah, well, sure. the, the body of Christ isn't as diversified as it was before. So that makes succession that much more critical, that handoff has to happen well, or else you've you've left thousands and thousands of people in the lurch. Yeah. You know? We're all on the same team. We are on the same team. And I and I I when I say I'm sick of the succession conversation, what I mean by that is I I just went off on some mega pastors I was at an event with not too long ago and I was like, dudes, is this is this all we're talking about? Is this all we're talking <laughs> about? Like why is this a problem you can't find somebody to do what you're doing? It why, why do you have to hire an outside headhunter to, to fill your position? Those companies are good, and I know those folks, really, really good. But the problem is you're not giving people around you significant leadership. Yeah, You're not giving people around you significant responsibility. So all those young studs or studettes, yeah. they've got to go someplace else because you you're not to, letting them lead. You have to delegate autonomy. Right. And then all of a sudden, you're old, but all yeah. the stars, they've left you. They've left you because you haven't paid them well. They've left you because you haven't given them yeah. a lot of authority. You've held all of it on. You, you basically, borrowing the family metaphor, you haven't raised up any sons. Yeah, I mean, you're you're pretty clear and great, awesome. You're not you're not going to succeed me, but I'm raising up sons at crossroads. There's other people who are on my downline that could do that. You know, that want to want to step in, and that's yeah. awesome. I remember growing up in the church all the time as a kid, people asking, so are you going to be up there someday? Are you going to take over the reins? And I remember, I mean, four years old getting asked that question. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, growing up. And, you know, obviously I've, I've taken different paths. But does it ever bum you out that I haven't involved myself on church staff to a, a teaching-type capacity? Or is that too deep of a question no, for a podcast? I've, I've, I've asked you this before, but... No, no, no. Okay, short answer is no. No, you're 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 following God's plan for your life. You're doing a really great job at your life, and you and Comet. That's Jake's wife's yeah, nickname. Her name, if, her name is Haley, and so Haley's Comet. Right. If you don't if you don't know my dad, he's got to have some nickname for everybody he knows. Yeah, but Comet that's not an insulting nickname because all of your nicknames tend to be insulting. They, they yeah, generally they got to hurt a little bit. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. back on back on track. <laughs> back on track. So. Um, uh, no, I've, I'm, I'm great with the path you're on. I'm, I'm great where you're going. Um, I, um, and if, and if you had wanted to be in that path, that would have been awesome. That would have been great. And I would have, I would have supported that uh, to the nth degree and been all about it, you know? And, and I think, you know, I was, I was pushing you to do some things, sp- pushed you to speak at man camp that one time and push you to do some various things. And so I've, I've want, been wanting to push you as it yeah. relates to you using the gifts that God's given you, which are very significant and very deep 
And I mean, you, you've got a voice that people listen to. You have a natural leadership ability. People do follow you. I want to see that in play. Oh, stop. I'm blushing. <laughs> but I want to see that in play. But keep going. No, no. I want to. I want to see that in play in the kingdom. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't have any okay. any ill ill will at all. That uh, you know, Crossroads as a career is not on your on your on your thing. Do no, a lot. Do a lot of your other pastor friends? They have sons who are yes older and yes. And do they talk about their sons not taking up? Does that bother other guys that are in your position that their kids are not? Kind of stepping no, up. No, it's kind of inverse, actually. It's um, oh, they want to be involved, and they're like, Maybe yeah. They I'm, oh. Okay, I'm speaking with a very broad brush. The first yeah. quote unquote succession breakout I went to at a conference. It was about ten years ago. I was like, eh, I could go this, and they had some pastors and their successor up there, and they were all father and son. I raised my hand. I went, so. They had all these things. By Brazen Man said, So basically, what you're saying is you have to have a son to take over for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think in those guys, well, that, there's been some great ones. There has been. There's been some utterly phenomenal yeah. ones. There's been some really, but there's also been some ones that have been train wrecks because. Yeah. Uh, the 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 son just wasn't qualified. The yeah. son wasn't prepared. Sometimes they they take him and they they just stick him in there because they they want that life for him. A Joel, I'm talking about Joel here. I, I think it's just interesting for some people to hear some of these stories as kind of an insider that I am. Not that Joel and I are hyper tight or anything like that, but you know that was basically his story. His dad was on his deathbed. And Joel oh, was really, yeah. Joel was into uh, the broadcast. He had a broadcast career, oh. and then he was doing some broadcast I had research. No idea. He was second generation. Yeah, and his dad said, "His dad said, you're the guy. I need you to take over for me." Wow. And that's when it just freaking exploded. It was a church of, I think, a you know, pretty good church, a thousand people, two thousand people, something like that. And then he just took it. No well, aspiration. Lucky, lucky. Never f- talk with that. And bam. Luckily for our church, if you for some reason become on your deathbed here soon. I think you, you've got some good people behind you. We that, do. Yeah. We do. And those conversations have, have been had and, and are going had. We talk about motorcycles. I, I've talked with folks that, you know, we talk about what happens if so-and-so gets hit by a bus or by a bread truck. I said, look, I don't think I'm going to hit by a bus, bus or a bread truck, but I could drive my bike off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do some pretty... I do some pretty out there things, you yeah. know, really out there things. And we just got to be prepared. If that happens, yeah. we've got a plan. So, yeah, we got a plan, but hopefully nothing's going to happen for 13 years. I've kind of declared that I'm going to be in the pocket till I'm 70. At least that's my, that's my hope. Yeah, you've been talking about that for a while. I have. That's great. I have. It's good. Well, I hope you, have you ever felt any pressure from me? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think younger maybe, like, you know, and isn't those prime you know, prime, but like those really formative years, you know, 15 through 20, when it would be like, that would be the appropriate time to funnel me in somewhere or go to seminary or do something like that. I think I did feel some pressure then. Oh, did you? But then, I mean, you pressure because something I said, or you just felt that pressure? No, like just, it, just feeling the natural pressure because, like I said, since I was four years old, people would be cornering me in the atrium going, Are you going to take over? Are you going to be up there on stage someday? Which, you know, I'm a Oh, they would. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't know all, that. The, all oh, the time. That, that's all tough. the time. All oh, the time. that's tough. Yeah, but no, it's 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 no big deal. It's you know dealing small small talk is is one of my fortes <laughs> from you know being forced in the situations from at such a young age. But 
you know, I think this, this that 15 to 20 year old thing, I did feel a little bit, but then also I, you know, I was, in, I was enjoying what I was doing with, you know, with my buddies going to school and, and strangely, you, you kind of, you, you pumped up, uh, I don't know, you, you didn't, you weren't explicit about me joining ministry. It was more of, in a, in a healthy way, hey, you, you can go out there and you can actually make money, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, for better or for worse, you know, that, that there's, there's some bad connotations with that as well. But, you know, going into, going into school, it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to school to get a business degree to get me a, yeah. you know, job with a, a company and grow a company and, and be yeah, a part of a sales right. team somewhere to grow, grow an organization. So I feel like I've always just kind of been on towards that path. And I think, yeah, you didn't really, I never really felt any pressure from you at all ever to, to come into it. And I think it could have been a train wreck had you pressured me to do that. And then I would have came into the church yeah. and not ready for it or not truly desiring that. Then it could have been one of those bad sticky situations like you've seen. Well, my most gratifying thing is, is seeing you act out your faith in the normal world. Like that, we played golf last year. It was really cool to hear you talking to your boss, your boss's boss. We were on the golf course. You had to take a call and he was a believer and you were interacting yeah. with them. It was like, that's awesome. Another one was, and I know it had different connotations, but when you got elected in your fraternity to be the chaplain. Oh, yeah. That was great. That was awesome. I mean, that was they, they said, hey, you're a guy who's got some spiritual roots and you're a leader. And uh, do ch- you weren't doing sermons and stuff like that. But just well, the fact <laughs> that your fraternity would say chaplain, that was cool. Yeah, it was a position you run for, but also, you know, not to give up too many fraternity secrets, but... You know the chaplain is also kind of the funny guy. Oh yes. Where you you know you you have a little role during your ceremony where you do. Oh okay. You know you do yeah you, you have a little like a little structured thing that you so I you know fraternity secrets can't say it. You've never told me the secret handshake. Phi Alpha. <laughs> You've never told me the secret handshake. And you'll never know it. I'm your you'll dad, never know man. it. I gotta know the secret handshake. I won't push it. That's all right. Anyways, I, I'm, I'm, but I'm, yeah, but yeah, I'm I, not in your low fraternity club. Whatever, that's fine. <laughs> fine. But yeah, I mean the, the the whole chaplain thing. You know, it was great doing prayer requests and all that, and I I felt led to do that. They would get the pr- they would do prayer requests. Oh, we had I had like a little prayer box. I would have people drop in prayers and try to pray for them if they wrote something down. I, you you instigate the prayer box. And I don't so, know if that was a thing before or not, or if it was a tradition. Dude, come that, freaking on. Stop. Are you ki- no. no. I, Are only, you kidding me? Only one guy dropped in a prayer. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You wanted to do it. You offered it up. You you said, I'm going to do it, this. It was a very low capacity role. Thank you. I, this podcast, you're talking me up too much in this podcast. I appreciate it. I know you love me. I do love you. I feel, you. I feel, I'm very I feel, proud of you. It feels good. It's good. It deserves to feel good. You're freaking crushing it. And you know, uh, we've had our differences. We could go into those at some point. We, we, you know, we're obviously not lockstep on everything our whole lives, but you know, you are, man, that's just so good, man. That's so good. Enough talk about me. You've had more fun in this podcast than you thought you'd have. I, I am having a great time. You are. Time. I'm having a great time. I've been, I've been browbeating you for you how know, long? Here you are. It's easier than I thought too. I was like, I wasn't really nervous, but I'm just, I have this new mentality. Where it's like, hey, if somebody invites me somewhere to do something, I'm just going to do it. You know, I got to think about you. I told you I'll be back in town on Monday, and you know when you did Tuesday, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to push it up to like That's Thursday. A good but word. then I was like, no, just do it. That's just a good do word. it. Just that's it. I heard somebody speaking recently. Um, have you heard much of Scott Galloway? No. Yeah, I have a I have a man crush on him. 
even though we think totally different about a number of things. He was talking about somebody he works with, and he said um, he was admiring this person because this person said, it's a year of yes, which actually Steve Jobs had proclaimed when he was at Apple when they were initially just rolling in all their cash. He yeah. said to Mike Sudi, who was a genius at Apple, who had actually emailed with Steve Jobs when he was at Apple's years ago, they came out, Apple came out with, it's the year of yes. Mm. But they said, we're rolling in so much cash that the most important thing is when someone brings a product to us and they're not happy, just say yes, give them a new one. Let's build brand loyalty. It was called the year of yes. Sweet. And so Scott yeah. was talking about this person who had a similar thing. And he said, I'm just, uh, and, and I'm sure they were, they lived in New York City or California, someplace where proto uh, protocols for COVID were more extreme and lasted longer than they did for other people. And they just said, I'm just so tired of being cooped up. It's just, this is yeah. this is a year of yes. Yeah. When someone right. asks me to do totally. something that I haven't done before, I'm just going to say yes. Yes. Just going to yeah, say, right. just say yes. Right. I was telling Craig about that. You were? Yeah. When we first got into like mountain biking stuff after COVID, it was like, if anybody, if you invite me to mountain bike, I'm just going to say yes every time or a party or a study or something. Yeah. You know, now I'm not as good at that as I was, but yeah, same thing. After yeah. COVID, you're cooped up and you can't do anything and then make it the year of yes. Who's this guy? Scott Galloway. What's his deal? He was a professor at the University of New Universe is I think at the University of New York. He's uh, started a bunch of companies. He spun off. He's on bo various boards. He's got a, uh, some podcasts. He's really, hmm. you know, if you want to hear somebody give some really great insights about men from a uh, non-Christian standpoint, um, he's not a believer as far as I know. I don't know what he is. Is he agnostic? Or I don't know. If he's, a, if he's a Christian, he definitely doesn't wear it in his sleeve. But he, since he's worked with so many young males in the college environment, he's got a real heart for them and he really, really speaks to them. So huh, he's just a really cool. wise and, and interesting guy. He's a guy I'd love to have the podcast sometime, cool. actually. Yeah, he's pretty. He was on that um, podcast I told you about, Pivot. Is that the leftist podcast? It's it's left. Scott yeah. would call himself left of center. That's good. And Kara yeah. Swisher is very, very left of center. She's way over there. Um, and yeah. but I listen to it's it. good. You got to hear all viewpoints. Well, gotta it hear is. All opinions. Well, and you I like a, it's a cross cultural experience. To your echo chambers. Yeah. Right. 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 I'm not, I'm hearing things mm. that I'm like. Oh, I don't. I don't know that I agree with that. But this is interesting how they think, and actually yeah. they have some points. It's good. Like, everybody, I wish everybody did that. I don't want to get you fired up. You're about get, to. I know. Do you know what I'm going to talk about? I'm going to get you fired up right now. Like they've had some really insightful discussions about gun control, which I would. Every gun law is an infringement. <laughs> well, uh, you think every law, every gun law is an infringement? Every gun law is an infringement. You're you're doing a half smirk smile. Are you are you saying the right, the right to bear arms is the right to bear are arms? Are you are you saying that you would not want people with mental illness to not have guns? I don't like the silence. But come on, you the right you, to, you actually, the right to bear arms. People who are mentally incompetent and who are again and again, you know, doing mass shootings, and we're finding out that there's various psychologists and psychiatrists who, who saw that and saw so if you behavior. take SSRIs or you take any type of mental medication you should be 
you should be eliminated from the, the possibility of purchasing a firearm? No, I don't believe that. Well, I'm not. Uh, here's here's all. Here's the only hill I'm dying on right now. I'm not dying on the hill of this should be what we should. And you and I are both gun owners. Guests of life should know. That I have guns. I like guns. I use guns. I have a gun safe. You do. You got way more than me. You're way more into I don't it have than any I am. Guns. I, don't know what you're about. I got like two, <laughs> I have like two guns. So, but as a gun owner, and I enjoy my guns and I use them whether it's hunting or target shooting, whatever, I'm saying as a gun owner, yeah, we should look. We should look at people who are schizophrenic, bipolar, suicidal, and yeah. So you want the government to intervene in people's medical records then? I don't know what it takes, but I'm just saying one guy. How slippery of a slope? I don't know how slippery, but I'm just one guy who's saying we should be having that discussion. We should be having that discussion. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. We should be having it. Um but anyway, Scott says, well, Scott, like I know him. Scott. <laughs> yeah, Scott. Yeah. Yeah, he was talking about um, as, a, uh, as a parent, he's moved to London. And he was saying that as a parent, it's less stressful to him for him to drop off his kids in, in England than it was when dropping off his kids in, in America because huh. he feels they're, they're safer. That, that pastor down in, in Tennessee so Lost can, his kid so at the school shooting. In London instead of shot. And- no, they're not getting stabbed though. I mean, they're, they're, those those things aren't happening. People aren't getting stabbed around the world. There's not mass stabbers happening. Yeah, there are. London, what's, the London- mass, what's the last mass stabbing incident you ever heard of? That guy in France who was stabbing children at a playground. Really? Yikes. Really? Yeah. Oh boy, no. Yeah, interesting. All right. Oh, do we need to turn the? Wait, wait. Yeah, we can, we can turn. All I'm, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is, I like, I like being pushed on things yeah, that no, I might I, disagree yeah, with. No, and, that's good. That's good. That's good. Because yeah. I think I find myself just naturally as a you know 30 year old guy who's you know plugged into all the algorithms on all the internets. You, I just get pushed all the all the stuff that I want to hear. All the stuff we all do. I get yeah, and then and then any of the any of the dissenting opinions is always the bad stuff to make me flare up and get angry but like you said that that one podcast that i try to follow sources that are are straight thinkers who are on the other side of the political spectrum or on the other side of even like religious stuff too like staunch atheists and stuff it's i think it's good to to listen to what they have to say in their thought process because you just the algorithm is out there man the, al- the algorithm is there to give you exactly what you want to hear and to tell you exactly what you want to hear to get fired up i mean it's Disconfirming information. Yikes! Right, right. And none of us like it. I don't like it. I'd rather I'd rather listen to something that makes me feel good about my opinions. It goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. But man, I just don't. I just don't want to be like everybody who shut off their brains. Right. You know? Right. I, you got to be open minded. Uh, not not right. Just not just open minded to understanding somebody else's thought process that differs from your own. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. I think you know the, the church bubble, which I've been growing up in for. You know, my whole my whole life, you know, it's 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 been good to to be exposed to those outside opinions and otherworldly things, which honestly I think strengthens my faith more than anything, being exposed to those opinions that are, are anti church or anti Christ or any of that stuff, because I'm like, geez, you people you're a more you're more religious than I am. Yeah. <laughs> right. Atheists are atheists are the most religious people I know. Defined as what? 
Because, because they got their belief and their religion is there is no God, stop. Well, and you have to believe this, and you have to believe this, and you have to do this with right. your recycling, you have to do that. You know, there, there, Yeah, there's, right. there's, there's rules right. and restrictions, and if you don't right. do these things, then you're not a good person. Is, is there a, like a, an opposite of your podcast? This is the aggressive life. Is there, is there a passive life podcast that we, can, we could listen to? Yeah, but we're too lazy to listen to it. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we've gone down a lot of rabbit holes. Anything else you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? No, I mean, I had I had no idea what we were going to talk about coming in here. There was no structure, no notes, no nothing, which is great. It's yeah. just conversation. Um, I don't. Yeah, I just had fun talking with you. You're my dad, and this is how we talk yeah. anywhere and everywhere. Just like we would a happy hour down at the local post, our favorite place to grab wings. Yeah, it's a great place down on Eastern Avenue. If you're Eastern Avenue, Cincinnati, it's called the Post. I thought it was the local post. Oh, the local post. Whatever. Okay, it's kind of like post office themed, kind of a little bit. It just yeah. kind of popped up. But it's yeah, cool. it's been a great conversation. That's very cool. I don't really think I added much. I don't know if this. You added this, a lot, dude. Uh, you're kidding me. You had a lot. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. Well, thank you, thank you. You you not only added yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of wisdom, but you model for a lot of people how you. How you have a friendship with with your dad? It is possible. It is possible. It is possible. Out there. And on the aggressive life, I know that this was an aggressive move for you, and I just want to call it out and thank you for it. I know that I know that um, you've never been ashamed of me. You've always been supportive of me. You've all, and but I've always kept a little little bit of a distance. So yeah, this was a well a little bit of distance as it relates to my job, right? Not a, not a distance to me personally as right, it relates to right, my, right, 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 right. So this was a this is an aggressive move for you to come on and and um, I just I love you and respect your death and I just had a great two hours however long this was hour and a half whatever it was so really man I love you it's great this was great thanks for having me I yeah. uh, maybe we can do it again sometime and yeah have a, have a have a structured topic I mean we could go for hours we but, could I mean we could we could talk about motorcycle wheels for Motor- we didn't even we didn't have like oh zero gosh. motorcycle conversation I, I, we could talk about we didn't talk uh, about guns we didn't talk about motorcycles uh, we didn't talk about uh, like the Romanian so, battlefield pickup uh, RPK kits oh, I could talk your man. oh man so much goodness. so many obscure things but no this has been great thank you so much for, for having me yeah. on it's been it's been a pleasure I hope that uh, if, if this gets released hopefully somebody it'll get released got something later. out of it I don't know or no. maybe not if they got some at least maybe they got it entertained who knows well they're not entertained I just this is my normal clothes I'll say it again hey folks I hope there's something here you've learned I hope there's something here you're gonna do it's why it's called the aggressive life we're gonna do things we're not just gonna give you a podcast that's interesting conversation though I think this is one of the most inf- interesting conversations you might come across I think it's been pretty cool but I hope you got something from today to actually put into practice. Maybe it's going to impact how you treat your little kids. Maybe it's going to impact how you relate with your peers, with your kids who are adults. Maybe it's, I don't know what it's going to be, but I hope there's something that's here that you can apply to your life. And if nothing else, then pre-order the new edition of the Five Marks of a Man. Yeah. 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 We'll, We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Thanks for joining us on this journey toward aggressive living. Find more resources, articles, past episodes, and live events over at bryantome.com. Pre-orders for my new books, a repackaged edition of The Five Marks of a Man, and a brand new Five Marks of a Man tactical guide are open right now on Amazon. If you haven't yet, leave this podcast a rating and review. It really helps 
get the show in front of new listeners. And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram at Brian Tome. The Aggressive Life is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.